0: Well, welcome today. Thanks for being here. We are in a series where we're looking at the some of the miracles of Jesus. And as you read through the New Testament and you see Jesus performing miracles, it's always something supernatural. A miracle being defined as something that we just can't explain away by science or, well, that maybe they just thought that happened. Truly something supernatural happens and it's defined as a miracle. And Jesus performed A lot of miracles. So we're looking at those and and looking at just the way different people then may have seen them and what that means for us today, leading up to the miracle of all miracles, the resurrection of Christ, which forever validated Jesus as the person he said he was. And we're going to celebrate that next week. Please remember, three services starting next week. Take a look in your program. Bring somebody with you for us to celebrate the resurrection. We're going to have a little more breathing room. won't be quite so hot in here maybe. And we'll be able to just celebrate with our friends, with our family, the most amazing miracle that ever occurred. And that was Jesus raising from the dead. So I look forward to that next week. About 15 years ago, my family and I moved from Baton Rouge, Louisiana to the Raleigh area. And when we got here, after a couple of months, I realized, I told my wife, I was like, we got to do a driver's test again. Anybody figure that out after you got here? You got to actually take a test. You just don't go and say, hey, I was a a good driver in Louisiana. And they're like, not good enough. Have a little test for you to take over here. And so I took my test, passed it, no problem, getting my picture done and all that. And Cinda went to take hers. And for the first time in all of our lives, I outperformed her academically. <laughs> I'd waited for that day and I kind of felt, if that was some satisfaction, I have to tell the truth. When she said, I failed it. I got I to take this book, like a teenager, and go home and read it. So she had to rethink driving all over again. She had to go back and read what the signs meant. She had to go back and, and read what all the law, different driving laws meant. She had to go back and do that again. Well, today I want to challenge you to, to rethink some things in your life. Specifically, rethink the way you view your problems. I, am I talking to people who have problems? Or is this the wrong group here today? Did you find the wrong church? Because we're a church that's like full of people who have problems. So if you have problems, and all of us do, and if you don't think you do, that's a problem, so you qualify. <laughs> so we all have problems And I want to challenge you today to back up and rethink them a little bit. Look at them from a different perspective. And the miracle we're going to look at today that Jesus performed caused all the people who observed it to look at life, look at their beliefs about God and beliefs about themselves in a different way. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. You can keep that Bible with you. It's a a gift from us to you if you're here for the first time or if you just want an extra Bible. The page numbers and all the scriptures that I'll read are also on the screen as well. So in the book of John, which is the fourth book in the New Testament, chapter 9, Jesus is going along and here's how it's recorded. It says... As he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, these are people Jesus has chosen to be his inner circle. And I would imagine when they ask questions like this, Jesus has got to be thinking, what was I thinking? And why did I choose these guys? I mean, how offensive of a question would that be? If you have a special needs child and somebody came up and said, what sin did you commit that caused that child to be that way? You'd want to punch him in the throat, wouldn't you? I mean, that's a highly inappropriate question. But when you think about their view of God, it starts to make sense. Their view of God was that if you were born with any kind of physical, emotional, any kind of ailment, it's probably because, or it was because... Someone, the generation or generations before you had sinned or maybe you had sinned that caused this bad thing to happen to you. They had a view of God of this being that was just waiting for them to mess up. And, and, and then here are these horrible consequences upon people who are innocent and have nothing to do with your mess up. That was their view of God, that he's just this cosmic uh, cop up there in the sky waiting, getting ready to smack you at the billy club. Or tase you and, and set you straight. Very similar to a, a teacher that I had in junior high. This lady could have, she really could have played the Wicked Witch of the West. I'm not, I mean, she looked like that. She wasn't green, but other than that, she had that look about her. And she would just, I remember thinking this woman's desire is to punish us. And you didn't know if you got punished during the day. If you did something during the day that, that you shouldn't do, well, that was back in the day, first of all, when you had consequences. And the consequences to her, was she had this big board about this long that they'd made her in wood shop and had drills in it. She was a small lady, but she would stand at the door and you would know that you messed up during the day as you walked out the door because you'd get a whack on the behind. And it wasn't enough to really cause a lot of pain, but it sure embarrassed, you know, emotional pain. That was how these guys viewed God. As he was just standing there as that teacher waiting to punish. And so when they see this guy who's blind, they say, hey, Jesus, who sinned that caused this to happen? They didn't even consider that maybe this guy is blind because his optic nerves didn't develop in the womb. Maybe there's just a physical thing. Maybe there was a vitamin deficiency. Maybe maybe something happened that no one had any control over that caused this to happen. They didn't think of that. They immediately thought, here's the reason. And so what Jesus is getting ready to do is going to cause all of them to rethink, especially the guy that's blind. It's going to make them step back and have a second thought, a second look about what's going on. So here's what Jesus says. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So he's saying, you think it's because of sin, and I'm going to use it because of my power. And in the middle of this man's problems is an opportunity for God to work in a way that's going to make it clear to everybody else that God is at work. But it's going to require... These guys observing to take a step back and rethink what they thought they knew about God. So I want to challenge you today to rethink what you think you know about your problems. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Problems are opportunities for me to experience God's work in my life. Now that changes the way you see everything. If you start to think, okay, problems Are opportunities for God to work. Not that God caused those problems, but the problems are in my life and it's an opportunity for God to work. Now, some of you have lots of opportunities for God to work in your life. There's lots of bad things either that you caused or somebody else caused or it just happened. What if you started to see those as an opportunity for God to work? instead of saying, well, if only life would have gone this way, if I could have married somebody like her, if we could have done that, or if I had that job or that much money, if I could just drive that kind of car, then I wouldn't have all these problems. Instead of looking at them and whining, look at them and think, here's an opportunity for God to work in my life. So here's what Jesus did with this guy's problem. The next verse says, Then Jesus spit on the ground, made mud, that's gross, I know, With the saliva and spread it over the man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. So Jesus makes the mud with spit and he puts it over the man's eyes and he tells him to go to this pool of Siloam. This pool of Siloam, it's a place that historically proven it exists and he performed other miracles in regards to, around this pool, and he wanted everybody to see, go wash in this. They, they kind of called it a, a magic pool or, or a supernatural pool. They thought really cool things happened there, so Jesus said, "Go wash there." And he goes and he washes the mud off, and then he can see. So for the guy that had problems, he met up with Jesus, and then he did something about it. So for those of us who have problems, we believe at our church that Jesus is the way to get your life to where it can be a full life that he desires for all of us to live. But we also believe we're supposed to do something about it. If your problems are financial, stop spending so much money. If your problems are relational, pay a little bit more attention to your marriage or your kids or the people in your life who you may have a broken relationship with. Do something about it. So Jesus said, here, I'm going to put this on your eyes. Now I want you to go do something about it. He did. And it says that he came home seeing. And then his problems weren't over. So when you meet Jesus, it doesn't mean you now have a problem-free life. It doesn't mean now everything is okay, no more problems. Jesus said, okay, you, you're now perfect and everything's going to work just fine. You follow me so everything, your money's going to be perfect, your marriage is going to be perfect, everything's going to be perfect. You're going to find the perfect mate. You meet Jesus, he'll, you know, help you find the perfect mate. That's what that commercial says, right? Christian Mingle, I think that's what it's called. <laughs> Come on, maybe God's got a plan for you online. Just find it. So this guy's problems didn't go away, even though he could see he still had some problems because he got back to town and people started noticing, hey, is that the guy? Is that the guy that used to beg because he was blind? The guy that his parents were probably really bad that caused him to be blind? And is that him? And some people said, yeah, that's him. And he was like, yeah, it's me. And some people said, no, 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 that just looks like him. That's just somebody that looks like the blind guy. It's not really him. And so this becomes such an issue in their town. They go before the religious leaders, the Pharisees. And they go before these guys and they start, they start saying, okay, what, what do we do? This guy said he was, he was blind. We, some of us think it's him. Some think it's not. And they start asking him. So what happened? What do you say? What do you say? And he finally says to them in verse 11 of John chapter 9. The man they called Jesus made mud, spread it over my eyes, and told me, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So I went and washed, and now I can see. So these people were really upset. When he said that, they got upset. Then they said, well, this couldn't be, this could not be a good man that healed you because he healed you on the wrong day. It was the wrong day of the week because to those religious leaders, what they needed to rethink was their view of God and the way they had built these laws that God never intended that burdened people down and got problems into their life. And so their view was it was the Sabbath, that's Saturday, And because God said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, that was the rule, that was the law, and they didn't want to break that, so they said, here's how we're going to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You can't do anything, unless we say you can do something. Of course, we can do stuff, but you can't do anything on the Sabbath. You you can't, I mean, really, if you look at their rules, it was like you could lay in bed. That's about it. And anything that looked like, like we couldn't flip the channels because that's working our thumb and it's work. So they were that strict and they'd gotten that far from what God's law really meant. And so they said, Jesus couldn't be a good guy because he healed you on the Sabbath and you're not supposed to heal or work on the Sabbath, which the Bible never ever says. They just made that up. They they, they called it building a hedge around the law. They made it even wider to make sure that nobody broke the law. And so they bring this guy in and they say, Okay, you're the guy that was born blind from birth, right? And he said, yes, I'm him. And Jesus healed you, yes. And they're probably whispering and they're probably like, well, how many fingers am I holding up then? You know, they're really trying to really interrogate this guy and say, is this really the guy that was born blind? Is he faking? Could this be somebody else? And if those religious leaders would have just stepped back and allowed their minds to rethink everything that was going on, They would have remembered the scriptures that they said they knew so well. That said when the Messiah comes. He will bring sight to the blind. They didn't even consider. That's what their scriptures said. And so finally these Pharisees go to the guy's parents. And they say tell us about this. Is this your son? How did this happen? And they say look. That's our son, but he can talk for himself. Because they knew if you got in trouble for doing something on the Sabbath you weren't supposed to do, you're going to get kicked out of town, which is going to create more problems. So they bring the guy back in. They ask him again, and he says, because they called Jesus a sinner. And he said, look, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And so there's something more than physical going on here. There's something more than just spiritual and emotional going on here. This is, this is Jesus allowing everybody around him to see, this is how I work in the face of problems. And he left this guy healed. He left him better. And when he was interrogated, like, well, what do you think? What do you think? And the guy's like, look, I'm not a theologian. I don't know. I know that I couldn't see. And I know that I met Jesus and he told me to go wash, and I did, and now I can see. See, when he said that, that makes every single person who's ever followed Christ have the ability to tell others about Christ. Because you might think, oh, I don't know, all I don't know where the books of the Bible are. I don't know what you mean when you say uh, Romans eight or Romans. I don't even know what that means. Like, there's numbers in the Bible. They so you're not. If you're a follower of Christ, all you got to know is what this guy knew. What he knew. He knew. Hey, I was this way before Jesus. And all I know is I'm better now. And maybe the only thing you can say to somebody else, maybe somebody you're inviting to church next week, if they start saying, well, what about this? And what about that? And I don't think the Bible's true. You can just say, look, I don't know. There's a lot of that stuff I don't understand and I don't know. But I do know that things in my life were really messed up. And I met this guy, Jesus, through this church that I go to and now things are better. And I've got a better way to deal with my problems and my issues, That's all you need to know. And that's what this guy was doing. He was saying, look, there's a lot I don't understand. But I've never seen a sunset. I've never watched kids play. I've never watched the wind move the trees. I've never been able to look into the eyes of my mother. And I met Jesus and all of a sudden, I can. I can't explain it. I'm not sure how it works. But I was this way and I met him and now I'm this way. And he says, if this guy were not from God... He could not have healed me. And so they all got angry at this guy. And he met Jesus. He was healed. And then on top of that, he got kicked out of town. But both times, Jesus showed up. If you read all of that story in John chapter 9, it says after they kicked him out of town, Jesus found him. Which means Jesus was looking for this guy. Jesus had heard, he's got a problem I'm the reason he got kicked out of town. I want to find him. And he found the guy, and the guy ends up becoming a disciple of Christ. He ends up following Christ. So can you imagine that formerly blind guy, any time he would meet up with somebody and they would say, my life's just a wreck. Things are a mess. Not working out the way I'd hoped. It's not working out the way I wanted. Look what she did to me. Look what he did. Can you believe they said that? And the blind guy would probably just listen and then say, are you done? Are you finished? Let me tell you about my problems. I couldn't see. And I met up with Jesus and now I can see. Then I got kicked out of town. And Jesus came looking for me. And my life is different because of it. That's all he needed to know to be the best evangelist ever on the face of the planet. So I want to challenge you as I close out today to take a step back. Rethink your problems because they are opportunities for you to experience God's work. So what do I do today if I'm stuck in the middle of a a big issue in life? Something I didn't see coming or something somebody else did to me? Listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah as he's speaking on God's behalf in Isaiah 45. He said, I will go before you and I will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron I will give you riches stored in secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord. See, you might have it tough because life can deal with some pretty bad hands at times. We can be hurt and we can be depressed and we can be betrayed. But by looking at this miracle and looking at all the different ways people around Jesus experienced it, It's clear that when there are problems in my life, it's an opportunity for God to show up in a big way. What if you went a week, and you, instead of focusing on your problems, you focused on the fact, okay, I've got problems, but this gives God a lot more room to work. Wouldn't that change your perspective? Wouldn't it change... The way you see your problems, because we're never promised a problem-free life, but we are promised a full life. So somehow a full life has to still be able to be full while still having problems. And the way you do that is you allow God to work in the middle of all of your problems. If you want to know more about that, like, well, how does that work? What do you mean work in the middle of my problems? I'm sitting down here after the service. Come and talk to me. and I'd love to, to just share with you what all of that means. And as you go home, hopefully, and and read John chapter 9, just look in the index front of your Bible, if you don't know where it is, and and find it beginning at verse 1, and just read this whole story. May it change the way you see the problems you're currently experiencing and you'll ever experience in life. Let's pray. God, thank you for this amazing story that shows us you want to come to our rescue, And God, I pray for the person or people who walked in here today feeling like they're carrying a big bag of problems. I pray that they could walk out seeing that as an even greater opportunity for you to work and to heal and to make us whole. God, be with us all and allow us all to experience what that blind guy in Scripture experienced. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.